The thing that changed, I think, with this COVID-19 pandemic, recession, whatever you want to call it, was that they started sending people free money in the mail. That was something <laughs> that we've never experienced before in our lives. And once that cracked and it felt like it was needed to be cracked for good or for bad, I think that if we go back into any sort of a deflationary period due to some sort of a recession, that that will happen again. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. Today, our guest is Dan Breezy from the Granite Towers Equity Group. And today we're talking about transitioning from a dream career into real estate investing. And really, okay, why would anybody want to do that? Why would you want to leave a dream career? Well, Dan was a professional snowboarder. You don't meet a lot of those, right? He was a professional snowboarder. He started seeing some of the writing on the wall, and we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about some of the advantages, the things that drove him into real estate investing. You're gonna learn about why he would leave that dream career. You're gonna learn about how he left that career, how he started doing deals, what he's doing today, and what he's doing with uh, his investors today. So all great stuff, really interesting. You don't meet a lot of uh, professional or former professional snowboarders, really interesting. And we talk about some of the pitfalls that uh, professional athletes go through, how he fought through those, how he kind of differentiated differentiated himself, and some things to keep in mind. If you are somebody out there, you live your life a little bit differently than others, and you want to build your wealth, focus on that, not focus on the flash, some great lessons in here. So, so many good things with Dan Breezy. You're going to really enjoy it. If you do enjoy the show and you're an Apple Podcast user, ask you to take a quick second, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind. I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple podcast ecosystem, helps you spread the wealth a little bit, right? We love everybody doing that. And I appreciate it so much, guys, because that helps other people learn about the show and grow our little audience here. Appreciate that so much. No matter what podcast app you use, if you haven't done so yet, look up the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, hit that subscribe button. That way you'll get every new episode straight to your mobile device every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor, I'm a real estate syndicator. I buy real estate with passive investors and split the return. Love having these conversations. I love the idea of, well, I would have never, I was never a good enough athlete to be a professional anything in, uh, in athletics, but it's awesome that he achieved this really fantastic career, had a lot of success and then transitioned it into yet another successful one. So, so many interesting lessons in here with Dan Breezy. Without any further ado, here we go. Dan, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. You have such a cool story and and really a unique experience uh, in getting into the real estate investing space. For our listeners out there who haven't heard it before, can you give us an intro as to what you were doing before you were a real estate investor? And then we'll talk about the story, learn about the uh, transition into becoming a real estate syndicator. Yeah, you bet. So my childhood dream was to become a professional snowboarder. Um, I ended up being lucky enough to have that dream become a reality. I was probably 22 years old and I started to ride for several brands and I had a good 10, 15 year run getting paid by, you know, like brands like Volcom and Rockstar and GoPro. And I was able to travel all over the world and film um, and, sh and shoot a lot of videos and photos for top brands, top magazines. And then I was a part of X Games six times, couple gold medal, couple silver medals. And um, now I fully have transitioned from my snowboarding career to being a, a real estate investor. So that all happened in the last, you know, several years. 
That's awesome. Can you tell us, um, before I don't want to bury the lead too much, can you tell us about the types of deals uh, that you're doing so folks have a context for uh, what you invest in? Yeah, we're focused strictly in multifamily apartments, B and C class, typically 100 units to 400 units is kind of our sweet spot. And you were in that 10 to $30 million price point. Um, we're really focused in Dallas, Fort Worth and Nashville, Tennessee is kind of our two main markets. Cool. Cool. Awesome. And I'd really like to learn about that, making that transition from a, a dream career into investing in real estate when you kind of started to realize, Hey, I need to, you know, plan for the future and start making some changes. So can you rewind the clock for us a bit when those first kind of, I don't know if you want to call them doubts, but realizations about, you know, the long-term future started to come up for you. Yeah. You know, I didn't really start to think about it until midway through my career when a lot of my childhood heroes who I got to know living in Salt Lake city were transitioning out of their career. You know, they were they had this long run and were winding things down and it just looked brutal. You know, a lot of them already had bought big homes and big cars off of their, you know, income from these contracts. And when those contracts went away, destruction kind of set in and it, it scared me a little bit because I was thinking, man, if those guys had as long a run as they had and they were, became as such big superstars as they were, what are the chances I'm going to have that similar time frame and, you know, amount of income created through my snowboarding career. So uh, it was partly that. And then the other part was I started to make good money as a snowboarder and I was looking for ways to reduce my tax bill legally. And as I was learning more and started to read more books about it, I read tax free wealth by Tom Wheelwright nice. and rich dad, poor dad. Yeah. So I, started to realize, hey, maybe there is a better way than what I was doing. Coming from middle-class Minnesota, I would make three to five grand a year in the summers working for my dad and, you know, or my, or any odd jobs I could find. And as I would do that, I, you know, didn't really have a tax bill. And all of a sudden the snowboarding career comes around and you're making decent money. And all of a sudden you've got this bill and and it's massive. And, you know, the, the question was, is, is this really the best way? Or are there things that maybe I don't know about the tax law that I need to get figured out? So I was kind of the two, you know, big pieces for me was tax law. And then, you know, trying to find another way to create income that still allowed the freedom I had as a snowboarder. Nice. So I think one of the classic, you know, stories about the professional athlete is say like the, the football player who has a really good run, makes a ton of money and blows it all while he's playing. And then once he retires, has nothing left. And it, it sounds like maybe the implication is that that's common in snowboarding as well. And you saw that kind of cautionary tale happening with those that came before you. Yeah, definitely. I think the biggest thing is we've got a, a lack of financial education. You know, there's two parts of wealth and one, you got to have the cash, then what do you do with it? And I think a lot of people understand they need to first earn the money. But I think the second piece of what to do with it is a lot harder to sometimes understand, or they don't even know that there's a better way to spend it on. You know, what do you spend it on? Do you spend it on an asset or a liability? Is it something that's going to become more valuable and you're going to have more of it, or is it going to go away? And I think those pieces right there are the pieces to become more educated. And if you are an athlete, you know, I was on a podcast the other day and I said, if I had more influence over more athletes, I could pretty much say, if you're making three to 500 a year and you live below your income, you should be able to retire when you're you know, done being done in your profession as an athlete. And you should be able to live off the cash flow and your nest egg should be growing. And that, that doesn't happen most of the time, it seems like, unfortunately. Yeah. What was your experience there? I mean, you, you kind of went out of the box, you kind of 
went your own way anyway. Did anybody like give you a hard time and say, man, you know, why aren't you buying yourself a sweet car or a bigger house? Um, you know, like, like all these, these other guys, other guys did, or was nobody really kind of paying attention? They were, or were they minding their own business? Like, did you get any flack for that? No, I think if anything, they just didn't think I was making what they were making. They didn't <laughs> understand that I was just living far below my means and I was stuffing the cash into assets that would pay me every month. And, um, you know, until you see behind the curtain, you don't really know how someone's living until you know how much they're making and how much they're spending. It's kind of unknown. You know, I always get kind of laugh a little bit when you see doctors that are living in a huge home and driving a really nice car. But the only reason they're living that way is because of the money they're making from their day to day job. I mean, they're really kind of a slave to their income. And I think once you understand that, you have a choice. Do you want to live on the income you're making or do you want to use that income to invest to try to live on on the actual investment of cash? And that little mindset is the difference between being wealthy and being you know, a, a slave to money. Great yeah. job. Yeah, that's a great point about uh, doctors in particular. I think, uh, you know, folks, if you don't pay much attention, you tend to miss about uh, how many doctors are, are really not preparing for their financial future in a way that, you know, we or our listeners out there um, likely are preparing for their future. How did you pick real estate and not, you know, I'm sure there are many options, you know, available to you as a professional snowboarder that we might not even be aware of in terms of, I don't know, developing a product or building your own brand. Like, uh, this is not snowboarding, but Tony Hawk had his own brand of, uh, you know, video games and all those kinds of things. Why real estate and not, you know, any, any of those other things that you could have picked? I think two parts. One was the tax break and you were able to qualify with being married to my wife, uh, you know, that cost segregation and being a real estate professional. So in the middle of it, that was, you know, reading tax-free wealth by Tom Wheelwright. I signed up with ProVision, which is a company out of Arizona. And that company is, specializes in, in real estate and, and helps your, their clients set themselves up to enjoy the benefits of real estate. And that was one of their suggestions is, hey, if you buy multifamily property, we can help show losses on paper that will reduce your tax bill. That was number one. The second reason I got into real estate at that time was I was able to own the property and still have a career. You know, I was able to start building my wealth. Um, while I still had my snowboarding career. So, you know, it, you probably could have started another business on the side, but I could hire third-party management and be fully disconnected. And until I had serious amount of assets under management or a serious amount of units, it was easy to have this full-on uh, obsessed snowboarding career mixed with, you know, putting more and more of my cash into these assets. Interesting. Interesting. So, I guess what options or, or what was out there for you to really cut your expenses? Because I, how much were you on the hook for your own like travel to events? Were you, were you paying for that out of your you know proceeds? Were companies sending you there? What were options that were available to you beyond the you know don't buy a fancy house, don't buy a fancy car? What'd you do? Yeah, while I was in just my snowboarding career, I, I had business expenses like travel, like you're talking about but there weren't enough where I still had a six figure tax bill, 
you know, every year. And that was the point where if I could align myself to and my wife to qualify as a real estate professional, the income I was making, I could funnel into these apartments and take these losses on paper, which, you know, showed a, a significant reduction in your income legally. You know, this is all legally speaking here. Um, so during my career before my real estate, there was small expenses like a winch or, you know, some equipment shovels. And, you know, that was, that was kind of it. And maybe some travel, but my brands reimbursed me for all that. So there wasn't a lot of expenses that was available. Maybe a truck part of you could write part of your truck off or a sled, but beyond that, you know, there wasn't a lot of, um, shelter for you. Awesome. So in real estate investing, in my opinion, and I think the opinion of many others kind of getting your first deal or two is really maybe not the hardest part, but like the most complicated, the most owners that kind of takes the longest time to get the first deal or two done. Tell us about that process and, and doing that first deal while you're you know, still a professional snowboarder. Yeah. So I went through two phases of my career as a real estate investor. The first phase was just pounding through every book I could find and aligning myself with a great CPA and then buying, you know, as needed, taking a little part-time class with an underwriting spreadsheet and buying a duplex. And I bought a nineplex and I bought a 24 unit deal. And that was kind of the first phase. And then my business partner and I bought a 28 unit deal. He's now my business partner. His name's Mike Roeder, part owner of Granite Towers Equity Group. And when we started that business, we ended up getting trained by a gentleman out of Dallas, Fort Worth that has been buying B and C class apartments for the last 20 years. And going through his program over a two-year period, we really kind of honed in on his recipe for what makes a great uh, acquisition and how to buy right. And from joining that group, it took us 15 months to buy our first asset because everything had changed from what I was doing to how he advised you do it. And I would say that investment into that information was probably the most valuable investment I ever had made, you know, in just senses of how do you underwrite correctly? What makes it a great market? Um, you know, how do you asset manage correctly? And all that information is not the easiest to come by in detail. And that, that, uh, that really helped us kind of accelerate our path once we got through that initial learning curve. So would you, in looking back, those first couple of deals before you kind of changed gears and, and got in the syndication space, you're doing those smaller deals. Would you say you would do it again that way? Would you move faster? Would you skip those entirely? What do you think about how you would maybe change things looking at, or would you, would you change anything at all? I don't know. Yeah. If I was going back, I would have, uh, I would have not bought anything and joined with a mentoring program and got the recipe earlier. Um, I got lucky when I did buy those deals, two of the deals, the duplex and the nineplex, I bought at the right time it was 2012 and it was in a oh market boy. that was going up in value. So it was hard to lose. Yeah. So, um, but the 24 unit deal, I got lucky in the sense that we were in a growth pattern. I would have never bought that one again, or if I wouldn't have bought it the same way, you know, we would have came in with way more CapEx dollars day one. So we could have cured the major problems that the property needed, but it's still, I wouldn't buy a small deal like that anymore. We're looking at hundred units plus because we want to be able to bring in third-party management that can successfully manage this, these things for us. Um, we're buying in uh, markets that are landlord friendly, business friendly, major population growth, higher than average cap rates. You know, the demographic boom is is taking place in these sub markets. Otherwise, we're not looking there anymore. We're not looking in Minnesota at all anymore, actually. Wow. So how are you evaluating those markets? Before we were recording, you were, we were talking, you're in Washington, Washington State, Vancouver, Washington. But as I understand, you're not investing there. You're investing pretty far away. 
So how do you handle the finding those properties and then, you know, the actual physical due diligence? Cause you gotta go check them out, right? Yeah. Finding the properties we're buying 95% more more from brokers that we've built relationships with in these markets. And once a deal comes to our inbox that with a broker that we have a relationship with, we'll first, before we underwrite the deal, work with our management team closely, take a look at third-party industry data, CoStar, um, ALN, and just verify what kind of sub-market we're buying in. What's the one-mile median income look like? What's the history been like for rental and vacancy? What's the future look like? What's our management company think? How do they feel of it? Do they manage anything close? Just understand and assess what that submarket looks like. So we get a good feel of the tenant base that we're going to be renting to and how much we can actually move the needle. You know, the NOI can only move based on what the tenants can handle for rent, you know, so you got to have a, a, a one mile median income that's strong enough in order to actually be able to complete your business plan. Business plan. So in the time that you've been investing in mean, 2012 versus now, is it seems like a world away, right? Everything was on still on fire sale in, in 2012, particularly depending on where you were in the country. And then we're looking at a you know a different market today. What do you see? What do you think is you know coming next around the corner? You still you know, presumably bullish on multifamily. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I I am the thing that changed, I think, with this COVID-19 pandemic, recession, whatever you want to call it, was that they started sending people free money in the mail. That was something (laughs) that we've never experienced before in our lives. And once that cracked and it felt like it was needed to be cracked for good or for bad, I think that if we go back into any sort of a deflationary period due to some sort of a recession, that that will happen again. You know, the bigger thing that I'm curious about is how long does the world or the U.S. keep the world reserve currency with the dollar? That part is more of a question mark and and something in the back of your mind that is concerning. But as long as the U.S. has the world reserve currency, I think they'll just continue to inflate the dollar way to make sure we don't go into a deflationary period, which they're going to continue to destroy the dollar, which they've been doing and continue to do in the trillions of dollar range. And as that happens... Usually fixed assets, fixed debt becomes easier to pay off, you know, inflation in fixed assets goes up. So I think as long as the Fed continues to do their money supply and money printing, being in real estate in great markets is a pretty damn safe place to be. Yeah, absolutely. They can run the printer all day, but they're not printing more real estate, more apartments and there's 3D printing, but I think we're decades on upon decades away from actually 3D printing like homes at scale. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a unique time. I mean, sending people money in the mail is, is the new thing and helicopter money. Is that what they called it? I mean, it was, it was an eye-opening moment where you finally have hit the point. I mean, I've heard economists talk about how it's coming and it was likely to come. And I mean, I didn't know when, and I didn't know if I believed it And here it's, it's here. And, um, you know, it's as the dollar, every every currency in the history of the world eventually goes to zero. That that's that's history. So based off of history, it seems likely that if you're using dollars now to buy fixed goods, it's probably a good way to you know spend it instead of buying you know letting it sit in the bank as it melts away slowly. Absolutely, absolutely, couldn't agree more. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Have you ever wanted to invest in the private lending and debt side of real estate? You might find that going out and finding borrowers on your own is tough. When you find a borrower, you have the task of evaluating their plan all on your own. 
and the traditional way of lending private money highly concentrates your risk because you'll probably be funding the whole rehab loan on your own. That meant writing loan checks well into the hundreds of thousands of dollars, placing a lot of risk in individual borrowers and properties. Not to mention, there's a lot for you to know in terms of how to structure these loans so that you can help protect yourself and work with the borrower in your interests. Now, there's a new way to invest in the debt side of real estate that turns the private money lending space on its head. You can invest in a variety of debt instruments with this new platform with as little as $10 in each opportunity. You can diversify your investment across a wide variety of borrowers, geographies, and asset types. This new platform is called ground floor. They make it easy to invest in either your name or using your self-directed IRA. And if you don't already have a self-directed IRA, don't worry. They make it easy to get started and get one opened. Go to www.passivewealthstrategy.com slash ground floor to get started or click the link in the show notes. See the ground floor site for full terms and details of what they offer. Once again, that's www.passivewealthstrategy.com slash ground floor, or click the link in the show notes. Back to the show. All right, Dan, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Best investment I ever made other than my education I would say as far as dollar for dollar, we bought an 86 unit deal in Cleburne, Texas, and we put a 200% return on it in less than 24 months. So hundred grand in 300 grand back in, in 24 months that, or we'll see what happens here with some of these uh, cryptocurrency purchases that as we go through this bull market, hopefully, hopefully that even beats it. We'll see. Could it definitely could happen. So we had the uh, best investment or best investments. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? Um, worst investment is probably in an investment I gave I gave 145 grand to a gentleman who was doing a hard money loan on a property in Portland, Oregon, and he lost his company. And so far that 145 is toast. Yeah, will it come back? I don't know. Um, he says he will, but that's been two years and he doesn't reach out unless I reach out to him and I, I have my doubts. So I've just learned from that piece, invest in only things you know very, very well and things that you control. And if you're going to invest in crypto and it's gambling money, you better be okay with it going to zero. And if you're not okay with something going to zero, don't put that much money to get into it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? Yeah, I kind of touched on it, but it's, it's invest in things, you know, you know, um, when you have enough knowledge in an, in an asset class, you can see things that most other people can't see because of your knowledge. It helps you see how you can earn money and how much you could likely earn. And once you have that Avenue, for me, I guess I feel like why go and risk it on things you don't know? If you know an asset class and you know there's a path to financial freedom, work that path and run that path. And maybe on the side, you could work on another asset class. But while you know the one, focus on just that one and you know go deep. Dan, thank you for joining us today. And congratulations on your success of transitioning from your dream career into, I think, an even better one as a real estate investor. If folks want to reach out, they want to track you down, find you on the internet, whatever, talk about real estate deals, 
where can they hunt you down? Yeah, you bet. Uh, www.granitetowersequitygroup.com. And there's a contact us tab. Just click that contact us tab and send us a message and we'll reach out to you and uh, see if you're a good fit for what we're doing. Awesome. Well, thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating interview on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate that so much because that helps other people learn about the show. That helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys, that gives me a warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. I appreciate that so much. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Thank you for tuning in once again. I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.